The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome back to Officially Unofficial, presented by Blue Wire Podcast. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American, Johnny Junta. We're joined with a special guest, man, a guy that I've been grinding my balls off to get on this podcast for a very long time. He is catching the baseball world by storm, absolutely carving, throwing 100. It's my pleasure to welcome Atlanta Braves starting pitcher Spencer Strider to the Officially Unofficial Podcast. What's up, big dog? Hey, doing well. Nice. Happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. Like, I, and people are gonna start roasting me and all that stuff. You're a Braves pod. Are you a Braves podcast now? Because I'm a Jays guy. Obviously, I'm from Toronto. But people are gonna start roasting me, saying, "Are you a Braves podcast?" We're almost going back to back, Soroka Strider. But when the opportunity presents itself, you got to go Spencer Strider on the podcast. So that's what we're doing. <laughs> but uh, I let's start it off with the mustache. And this is a great question that I always have to ask you. Do you think you are one of the best looking dudes with must with a mustache in Major League Baseball? Like, is that like top top three? Maybe who else? Like, who's competing with you? Um, I mean, I think I think Dylan Cease has got a good one. He's got the face for it, but I, I think Matt Carpenter's mustache oh. is is probably the only other one that's up there. I mean, yeah. I, I've been doing this for a while. I mean, this has kind of been. This has been on my face for a few years now. So, so. Are, so are we saying it's the Spencer Strider? Like that, like Dylan Cease is going Spencer? Because listen, how, I'm going to break. I'm, I, this might be breaking news. We're going to have Dylan Cease on the podcast in, I think, a couple of weeks that he's coming on. I got to ask it. So, like, do I do I bring it up to him? Like, is it Spencer Strider's style or is it your style? Like, how do I approach that just from, like, a perspective? Here? Yeah. Because you've been doing it for a while. I don't think he was going to copy me. I, I don't, I think he was just changing it up and went mustache. I've got the little soul patch thing okay. too. So that kind of distinguishes my mustache from anybody else's. But uh, I get a lot of like, Oh, you saw Top Gun and you grew out your mustache. Like, no, no, that, that came out a month ago. Like I've had this mustache for years. Okay. So they copied me. So if anybody's at fault here, it's Top Gun. Yeah. So too. Top Gun. So yeah. So I mean, Miles Teller copied you. I mean, have you ever thought about like recreating the beach scene? Like that'd be incredible parody. Like just for Major <laughs> League Baseball. Uh, I have not. I think um, I think there may be some people out there who'd be into that, but I don't know that I'm willing to <laughs> go that far. 
I'm crazy. It's crazy, man. It's like you're. Well, I I always say this on the podcast, but like obviously the off field stuff, the females and stuff. You turn into a hot commodity. I mean, all, all the Braves, the, the the Braves fans, have turned into Spencer Strider stands now, and I love it. Like I'm all for it because it's less battles that I have to fight on Twitter when people try to chirp you. So it's incredible stuff. But um, so the, the mustache, when did this start? Like, what made you want to do this? Was this just something you wanted to do to look different? Or like, how did this start? Um, I mean, the, 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 the whole mustache concept in baseball, I think goes back a long way. I mean, if you look at, you know, I'm say catfish hunter, Raleigh fingers, um, some of these guys in the seventies had some pretty killer mustaches and um, it just feels baseball-y to me, if that, if that makes any sense. And, uh, in high school, we would, we would try and like, you know, grow out what little bit of facial hair we had dire hair and stuff when we were going to tournaments. And, um, I was the only one that could really summon anything up above the lip. <laughs> and, uh, it sort of just became like the, the, the season tradition, like grow out your mustache. And, and, uh, as I got to college, I was actually able to grow a mustache. And so I, I, I look, I look 11 without one. I, yeah, that's, yeah. that's why it stays. So for instance, like when you went to school, obviously you went to, you went to Clemson Were it was, was that you're in on the bars. Like where people are, I'm not going to ID this dude. looks like he's 30. Like, is that, it was that kind of your thing? It definitely helps. It definitely <laughs> helps. Cause I, there's one, one of my ID pictures, I had a beard and I shaved the beard, like right after I got the picture taken. And I mean, I had a couple people turn me away. Really? Like, that's not you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That's a nice. So it changes me big time. I'm a different person in Canada. We're going to the bar when we're 19. I'm, I couldn't even imagine being like, I mean, you just turned 21 two years ago. Yeah. Jesus Christ, man. That's yeah. a nightmare. You love to see it, right. but that's, that's an absolute nightmare. <laughs> and, and we're talking about um, like you in high school and stuff like that. So little background, I posted a story. I posted a TikTok about you. So Sam Hoff on the Rangers, who's a good friend of the show, he said that you're the hardest pitcher he's ever faced. So humble brag for you, kind of pat on the back for you. I posted that TikTok and people went crazy in the comments. Like um, people were saying, oh, I faced Strider in high school. He was an absolute nightmare to go up against. So this brings up my question here. When did you realize the shit that you had was a little bit different than some guys you were playing against and some guys on your team and stuff like that? When did you realize you were like elite? I don't know that I'm. I'm elite. I, or I ever well, you play be, major league baseball. You play, you play major yeah. league baseball. So, um, I mean, when 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 I was a sophomore in high school and started to pitch more frequently, um, I mean, I, I didn't really. We didn't know exactly how hard I was throwing. We didn't know any of the data and any of the analytical metrics, that kind of stuff. But um, I just I just didn't get hit. And if I could throw strikes, it's sort of like if I threw three strikes before I threw four balls. I was going to, I was going to pitch well, you know, that that's really what it was just one pitch, just throwing fastballs and, and guys couldn't hit it. And I think what that turned out to be was the, the vertical ride on the fastball that now we understand it. Um, I learned about it in, in college and was able to sort of build everything around it. But uh, yeah, I mean, early on in high school, I noticed like, okay, I mean, I throw harder than everybody else, but you know, how hard am I throwing? Why is it better than anybody else's velocity? You know? And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think early on in high school is where it started to, started to turn into like, okay, I'm going to be a pitcher. Okay. Yeah. No, it, I, I always wonder that because obviously like a guy like you that, that's throwing triple, triple digits and stuff like that. It's kind of crazy to see 
when you kind of realized it. So you were always that dude that was throwing the hardest on your team or were there guys like competing with you? Because I'm assuming your high school was good at baseball. Like that's obviously not a crazy thing to say. Yeah, no, we were pretty good. We were pretty good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I always had one of the better arms for sure. I don't, I don't know that I was ever the best player on a team really until maybe, maybe late in high school or, or, yeah. you know, um, but uh, yeah, I just always wanted to throw hard. I always had a fascination with pitching and I was so bad at it when I was younger, despite having a good arm that I couldn't do it. I had to play the field because if you put me on the mound, I was going to hurt somebody. And uh, you know, when I got to high school, I started to understand my body a little bit more and was able to be effective. And so that's when I really got to focus on it. Yeah. I, the high school stuff is incredible because I love hearing stories from like kids that you face that are like accountants now or like sanitation engineers. And they're like, yeah, I used to face Spencer Strider. He I'm over five with five strikeouts against them. It's just, I love those type of stories. So, so you went to school in Tennessee, obviously. I mean, you uh, like in high school and stuff like that was Rocky top ever an option for you or were you trying to go as far from home as possible? They were, they, um, so, so when I, when I, my recruiting story, in the short version of it is I was going to go to Ohio university. Like I said, I sort of had a good arm early on in high school, but I wasn't, I wasn't very good. And, um, you know, that seemed like a, a good option for me and, and I didn't have a ton of attention other than that. And then, uh, ended up decommitting going into my senior year because I started throwing really hard and started to actually have some decent command and was starting to learn how to pitch a little bit and was getting some attention. And so I thought, okay, I'll decommit try to go to Tennessee and maybe surely they'll want me like they've expressed yeah. interest before. And I'll, um, you know, that'll be a good, I'll be in the sec, maybe get drafted at that point and something. And they didn't really come after me. And so I sort of lost favor for him. And then the first school that jumped on me was Clemson. Hell yeah. And yeah. Went to, went to Clemson, walked into Doug Kingsmore stadium on a, I think it was a Friday night. Sun was going down just, just like right then decided I wanted to go to Clemson. Wow. Dude, I love that because obviously me being a guy, like I said, you know, I'm the Juco fall American, one of the greatest fall players of all time. I would (laughs) die to go on just one recruiting trip. Like if I could do it all back, obviously I never got recruited. I just, I went to fucking Juco, but I would die to just go on one D one recruiting trip and just see the red carpet get carried out for you. It's just incredible shit. Did you, did they take you to a football game too? When you went on that recruiting visit? We went, uh, we went on, when we, I had already committed by the time we went on our official visit and it was like everybody in my class went to a football game and stayed the weekend and stuff. So that was fun. Um, so that was, that was our senior high school before we got to campus. But, um, I never, my, my recruiting experience was like in the summer, like when I was playing travel ball, it was sort of like, we'd go play a tournament here and then a bunch of teams would come and watch. And then the ones that were really interested would try and get you to come to campus the next day and that kind of stuff. So. Um, it was pretty hectic for a couple of weeks when, when things were popping off, but, um, that first visit at Clemson was, was everything was compared to Clemson. And, and, uh, once I finished playing this, I always, I told them once I finished playing summer ball this, this year, I'll make a decision. And the next day after the last game, I said, yep, yeah, going to Clemson knew that the whole time that fires me up. Like I'm ready to run through a brick. While I love that shit. Like that's so <laughs> electric because obviously you're from Tennessee. I'm probably, I'm pretty sure like when you were a kid, you obviously always rooted for the Vols and always had aspirations, I guess, of going there. Maybe, maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. I might be wrong on that. Maybe not, but I'm just saying in general, like it kind of is a slap in the face that your home state and the school you like, not your home, not your technically your home state, but the school you go to school, the school you go to and a state that it's in doesn't want you. It's kind of a slap in the face. So I guess Tennessee really fucked up, but Clemson good for them. I mean, 
what was your experience like there? Were you there during like the Trevor Lawrence prime time age or what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think we were in the same class. So, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty wild. Um, that, I guess it was my sophomore year, so it was 2018 and, uh, 2019, the year that they won it all, uh, beat Alabama. That was, that was crazy. That season was awesome. I mean, everybody gathered in the streets and down, down Clemson, they put projector boards up and we're all watching the game and, you know, game ends and people are climbing up light poles and jumping on buildings and rushing the bars. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a phenomenal time to be there. It sucked that it ended with COVID, but um, sort of just out of nowhere, but you know, everybody experienced that. So it's not nothing that I should complain about. Yeah, exactly. And uh, credit to me for absolutely just fumble fucking my words in the previous sentence. What I was trying to say was Tennessee slapped you in the face by not recruiting you heavily, especially being a guy as good as you are, but Clemson, What's the baseball? Pro- Obviously, I'm not a big like college baseball guy. I don't know that much about it. But what is like the college baseball scene like there? Do you guys get like tons of fans as well, like just like SEC schools and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, it's the expectation at Clemson is that we win. We go to Omaha. I mean, there's a great history at Clemson, um, and uh, yeah, I mean that that's that's the bar. The, there's two things that that really matter in Clemson baseball: it's beating South Carolina and going to Omaha. And uh, fortunately, we, we beat South Carolina two out of three years I was there. Um, both the years I was healthy, we, we beat them and uh, didn't make it to Omaha. Um, I was only on a, on a team for one playoff run. But, uh, yeah, you know, that, that's, that school should, could 100% be in the SEC. I think that's sort of the direction everything's going, it seems yeah. like, right? So I think that'll be one of the next ones that, that transitions over. Yeah, and I, I got to say this. The Clemson jerseys are absolutely fire. The hats are absolutely incredible. Uh, do, yeah. are, do you go back there and, like, rep the school and, like, talk to the college kids there and stuff like that or no? Yeah, I got to go back a little bit uh, and see some games this this uh, spring because of the lockout. And so um, when normally we would have been in spring training, uh, we had some extra time and the college season started. So I got to go back and see some games and hang out. Um, a couple of guys in my class went back uh, – for a football game in the fall, saw everybody, saw the coaches. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's terrific to go back to, I mean, it, it just feels like you never left. Can you promise me if they make a statue there of you someday, 20 years from now, 15 years from now, I'm at that. Assembly. I might be the, like the MC at that ceremony. Can we, can we kind of get that done? <laughs> if Clemson university builds me a statue, you can, you can. Thank you. you. All right. So, yeah, I'm gonna, so listener of the podcast, someone just kind of maybe put that in your iPhone notes, because I, I mean, I'm not smart enough to remember that in like 20 years. Just remember if Spencer Strider gets a statue at Clemson or a banner, actually, or a banner or something on the wall, Ooh. I will have to be there. Or no, the banner might actually happen though, right? They probably the do banners, some other the banner, I, I didn't really do anything at Clemson, so that's where I, I doubt that they will they'll honor me in any way. But um, the the banner seems seems pretty it's seems reasonable. normal to me. Yeah, yeah it seems reasonable. What, yeah. We're the, not going to say statue. Banner. On the other hand, I don't know about. Statue. We're not going to shortchange it. We're not going to shortchange it. It has to be a statue or bust. Yeah. That's it. That's the yeah. only time I'm three, going to three dimensional representation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It has to be a three D. Maybe even like a bobblehead day, like they did for Matzik last week. I'll be there. I'll, I'll have to be there yeah. at the game. We'll see. But I mean, go like the Clemson University is sick because would your coach do? Because we've had a couple guys on that played in SEC and stuff, and their coach used to make them in the fall do like early practice Saturday and it's all right. You guys want to go to the college football game. You guys could go. Was that, was it like that there at Clemson or was your coach like you aren't going to these football games? 
No, they they wanted us to go to the, go to the games. I mean, it, one, one, for one thing, the football stadium is right across from the baseball stadium. Oh, so really? If you wanted to get to the baseball stadium on a Saturday, you were going to have to dig a tunnel under the campus. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, they, it's it's a zoo for sure on Saturdays. And uh, I mean, they they wanted to go to the games. I mean, it's it's that's the whole purpose of Clemson is just the cohesion. Um, that's why they're they're always throwing around. You know, like when before I got there, or even the first few months I was there, like everybody's throwing out this word "Clemson family," "Clemson family." It sounds so cliche and like yeah. you know weird, but it's, it's 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 a real thing. And having you know left the school and now I'm in I'm in pro ball. I mean, just the the people that I encounter who are affiliated with Clemson and like the relationships that just snap off immediately because we both have that connection is is crazy. And so it's a it's a real thing. And and um, the the teams support each other. And uh, the athletic department's really, really tight knit, and I mean, it's it's a terrific place. I mean, I can't I can't speak enough about how great it is. Are as a as a Clemson guy, are you obligated to draft Trevor Lawrence in a fantasy football draft? Like, how how does that work out? Like home cooking or what? Strictly, I'm strictly no fantasy sports, but yeah, if I if I did, I would. 100% take Trevor. Wow. What's the thought process there? That's breaking news. ESPN credit us that Spencer Strider doesn't play fantasy football. What's the deal there? Why aren't you a fantasy football guy? Not a fantasy sports guy. You know, when you get death threats, when you don't hit your strikeout over or you're under, you just lose favor for, for, uh, that's betting sports though. altogether. That's betting though. It's a little bit different. That's true, but it all stems, the, it all stems together. I, I don't have, I don't have much, uh, much patience for fantasy sports. I can respect that. I don't, I don't that. play video games. I don't. I don't. You know, like I'm a. I'm a huge Browns fan. Like I would sell my soul for the Cleveland Browns, and which is hard. Hard to justify at the current moment. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, that's really the. That's really the extent of my NFL interest. Like I know. I know. The only thing I know about other teams is the ones that played the Browns. Like I don't. I don't delve into anything extra. Like all these guys that play fantasy in the clubhouse and stuff. Like they know the running back on every single team. Like I. I, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't sit around and like watch ESPN all the time. Like I can't, I can't keep track of all that. There's too much going on. Yeah. Know? I can respect that. I can really do respect that. Obviously I'm just a degenerate. So I love watching anything, any football <laughs> game that's going on. I'll watch the Mac Maction football if I have to. Right. But, and you mentioned the Browns Cleveland's only five hours for me. How far is Cleveland from you? Like, do you go to a lot of games? Maybe we have to fire a game in the off season. Cause you're not a fans football guy. So I can't, I, yeah, we'll fire a game. You know what? We're going to fire a game in the off season. It's five hours. From me. I'll, I'll walk there if I have to. Sure. Yeah, just just swim across the lake. There you go. Right. <laughs> lake Erie is short. How far lake. are you from there? Uh, Knoxville is about eight hours. So oh, my, really? all my family's in, in Ohio. So um, I, I travel through there quite a bit. And um, yeah, I mean, I was I was brainwashed at an early age to be a Cleveland fan, and so my life has been quite miserable as a result. Yeah, I can respect. That. And maybe it'll be me, you, Matzik. I'm actually just going to invite Matzik. I'm going to say like. Give him a date. We're going to be going to a Cleveland game. Matzik loves football. He's a big football guy. So, And you mentioned Cleveland. There is a picture of you as a child in like a full Cleveland jumpsuit. Credit to me for doing this research. And you also <laughs> got drafted by Cleveland in the 35th round, but you obviously turned it down and went to school. I mean, how, t- how tough was that? Like, were you just like trying to not look at the picture of you as a child in the Cleveland uniform being like, I- I'm saying no to this little kid. Like this little kid, I'm saying no to this dude. Right. right there, there certainly was that exact thought process, but um, I mean, it was a 35th round pick. It wasn't, yeah. uh, it wasn't really a, a serious selection. I think they sort of did it as like a, Hey, we know you're a Cleveland fan draft didn't work out for you. Here's, here's a way to, you know, immortalize your name with our organization. Yeah. So go to college now. Okay. So, so like how it was, was still that, cool. 
Was that a tough decision though? Like for you, or you were just like 35th round? No, nah, I'm not going there. Yeah. Th- I mean, they, like I could have signed technically, but there was no expectation that I was going to, there wasn't any money attached oh, to that. There wasn't oh. like a real, that's, that's back when the draft was 40 rounds, which was ridiculous. And there, you know, half the picks at the end of it were just like, Hey, we need to fill this like Johnny slot Manziel. so that. <laughs> like Johnny Manziel yeah, yeah, getting dropped. Right. Right. Yeah. M- maybe not that. That, that might've just been complete human error, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, yeah, it wasn't a serious selection. Do you look back on the draft process, like, even now and see guys like, like I just mentioned, like, Johnny Manziel got drafted by the Padres. And then, like, other like uh, Russell Wilson got drafted. Like, it's just some of the craziest things. And I know Russell Wilson did play baseball, but obviously he's a football player. Like, do you look back on that and just, like, why did we have so many rounds in a major league? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson, I understand, because he, I mean, he actually had some baseball, and they still have some baseball skill. I mean, Johnny Menzel, that one, I don't, that one to me is like, okay, we need a name. They're going to, they're going to find us if we don't put a pick in, uh, give them this one. And it's like, oh, it was Johnny Menzel. Like, it was just a complete, yeah. I'm sure there was no thought process behind it. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, the, the draft is wild and it's, I guess it's coming up here in this week, but yeah. um, it's, it's crazy. The, the, the craziest thing about it is like, at each juncture in your baseball journey. And I imagine it's this way in other sports as well. It's just, you constantly feel like you're at the top and then, you know, you get drafted is like the big one. It's like, it's like the event horizon. Like you can't see beyond it, but you know, you know, something's past it. You just, you just think like, this is the biggest thing. And then it happens and it opens this whole new world. And then you're right back at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. The draft is crazy. I mean, I, I experienced it with, uh, I always talk about this. I was at Bryson's thoughts draft party like three years ago. And just the roller coaster of like, mm-hmm. you're getting called by all these teams. This team might take you here. This team might take you here. If this guy doesn't go here, this team's in it. It's just the, it's crazy. I don't even know how some of you guys deal with that stuff. But so when you went fourth round, did you realize you were going to go? Like, was that the kind of slot that you saw yourself going and had like a previous idea of before the draft? Um, I mean, we, we were confident that, and it was the, just that five round draft in 2020, we were confident that I would get taken, Yeah, but no, we knew how the, the slot value situation was going to work out, expecting to get, a, you know, a call and be able to sign for, for something comfortable and, and, uh, just have the opportunity. That's really all I was looking for. I mean, I had the injury, I'd already turned down a draft in high school. Um, COVID happened. Like I wasn't ready to just put another year into this and hope everything worked out because clearly there was a lot out of my hands that could get in the way. And so I'm not going to turn down this opportunity again. And uh, yeah, I I expected maybe to get calls earlier and the slot value situation was kind of weird with, with them, you know, over slotting and under slotting guys in weird positions just because it was shorter. And so then the Braves called me and I didn't really expect the Braves to be that interested. I mean, I, I spoke to, um, the area my area scout with the braves uh that morning and it's the first i talked to him in quite a while and i was like oh okay that's that's interesting so i text my agent i was like yeah I just talk to the braves he didn't really say anything but you know i don't know sure enough you know they about five minutes before the pick they called me and said hey would you be would you sign for for slot in this pick and i said sure and he said all right well we might not take you i don't know we'll see hung up <laughs> <laughs> and so i'm just watching the tv like sitting around like oh let's see oh shoot they took me all right cool the braves that's incredible. I mean, the Braves organization is awesome too. I mean, they do it right. Just especially with like uh, the prospects and like the, just the development and stuff like that. It's awesome. Um, Hopefully our guy Nolan is up soon, man. He is carving a triple A. So almost a sub three ERA. I'm vouching for him. Hopefully one day um, something happens that are, 
he he can get that call because I think I truly do think he deserves it. But I want to go into the the old the young Spencer Strider. Did you realize that you were a poet at one point, like in your Instagram captions? Like, did you realize that? Looking back on it, because I'm gonna I'm gonna read a couple for you. So, oh boy, the constant throughout all the years has been baseball in quotations. The next one is we're all just a kid from somewhere trying to do what we love. Lesson number one: Don't think it can hurt. Only hurt the ball. Just incredible stuff out of Spencer Strider. Did you realize you were a poet? I think poet that might have been time? a misread right there. That, that, <laughs> most of those are like movie quotes. Like, don't think it can only hurt the ball club. That's 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 Kevin Costner from Bull Durham. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Instagram's weird, man. You know, it's it's a it's a uh, yeah. I mean, that uh, every day I sort of flirt with the idea, like, man, I should just delete the app. This this I should deactivate my account. Like, why do I have an Instagram? Like it is the easy the fa- access the fact for that, fans to get to you. Yeah, the right? fact that sixteen-year-old me is like my my like self-expression is immortalized on there is just just weird to me. Like I, I, I when I was sixteen, I didn't know what was going on. Like I, this is my favorite one. Destiny waits for no man. What a po- you were a poet. I mean, I and listen, this is you could you could see in this right here this picture. I don't know if you know that picture. This is terrible right. podcast probably because no one's gonna be able to see this unless you're watching the YouTube. You can see the little muzzy, the little muzzy starting to come in here what the in 2017. Yeah. So if someone ever tries to old takes you, I'm, there you I'm go. getting their ass with this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, Google Clemson mustache man. I will come up. That's what they called me at Clemson. Like there's That's no crazy, I have I have crazy. the record to, to justify this thing. Yeah, that is crazy. Do do people um so Obviously, on your on your Instagram, you've kind of limited the comments and stuff like that. I'm just, I don't know if that's like a thing you've done and stuff. But what have you been? Because you mentioned like the death threats and shit like that, and I love going into that because I want people to listen. And the point of this podcast was I originally started it because obviously I, I see like I want to show that you guys are human. That's like the biggest thing. I want to like kind of take people into the clubhouse and show that you guys are just normal dudes that happen to just play baseball and be good at it. What have you like? What has that been like for you, especially being in the spotlight now? being like a guy that like, obviously you've broken a lot of fans hearts by playing against them. And you've also made a lot of people's like dreams come true with you being like a, how good you've been as a starter. So what's that kind of perception been like on Instagram for you? It's weird. Yeah. Especially cause like, I don't really use Instagram. Like it's not something that I'm, I'm uh, like, I'm not trying to pretend to be like my, my fiance posted for me, my most recent post. I didn't even do that. Um, like, you know, we, it's, it's not, it's not, I'm not trying to like pretend to be anybody. Like some people come at me with the mustache and think like, Oh, you're trying to do this different persona or something. Like, no, I, I literally like had a mustache since I was 16 in high school. Um, but the last thing I care about is like my, what people think of me or what, you know, I'm trying to be somebody, but there is this level of like, Hey, like I, I do want some anonymity and I want to be able to like separate, like when I, when I leave the field, like I don't need to be sifting through hours of comments and, and sometimes death threats about, you know, about the game, about my job, you know, like imagine, imagine working at a pharmacy and then coming home and like, you know, at 11 o'clock, you're trying to wind down with your family and you're just getting like notification after notification about how bad you filled a prescription like that. 
you know, like it, it's exhausting at some point. And so I think that's why it's great that they have limits on Instagram. Just so I don't even have to worry about it. You know? well, well, I'm limited now. So that's the thing. So I feel yeah. I have to follow you because listen, I'm obviously I'm a Spencer Strider guy now through and through. So I will b- fight the fights in the comment section. If, if need be, if it gets out of line, I will be there for you. That's <laughs> what we do the with this podcast. I do have you, but yeah, it, it is wild. And I, I've obviously seen it too, just like with a lot of the people that have been on this podcast, it gets to them, man. Like I've seen people delete Instagram and stuff like that. It's just crazy that majority of the time it's a grown man that will, that will come out in your DM. It's a grown man that has nothing better to do with their life than DM. Uh, you're 23. Like, or yeah, yeah. You're born in what year? 1997? 98. 98. 98. So to DM a 23 year old, like that he's not good at baseball or just like he didn't hit your strikeout prop total or he fucked your fantasy football team and you're a grown-ass man doing that like it's crazy it's still crazy to me to this day yeah that's that's sort of why i just i I, like i think i have limits turned on or whatever like it's just i rather than than like it's it's just dumb like I, i i understand like believe me i am a fan of sports like i i like i said i would sell my soul for the cleveland browns i mean like i have cried and like screamed at times like this like sports are my life obviously it's what I do for a living and so it matters to me and I get caught up in the fandom of it you know like if I saw if I saw Nick Chubb walking down the street you know I would I would freak out (laughs) but you know like but when somebody when somebody you know runs up to me it's like I don't share their excitement which which is which in a way like I I have sympathy for for that person like I, I I want them to 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 feel like you know, their, their aspirations or their dreams in sports are like met by the person that they're directed towards. But like, you're, you're an idiot when you're a fan. I know that for a fact, like, cause I am an idiot when I'm a fan and rather than DM a death threat to, you know, Rashard Higgins, when he drops a pass, how about he just limits his account? So I can't do that and make a fool out of myself. So that's kind of where my logic is. Like, I'm just going to take this ability from you away so that you don't do something stupid and I don't have to see it. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, and uh, and listen, I love old takes exposing people like if they're like a tweet that's like, damn, Spencer Strider is terrible. I just show like the game you had like 14 punches. Like I, I just, I love old takes exposing people with that type of shit. But let's go into the positive shit here. I need to ask you. So obviously you're a guy that throws 100. You just light up the radar gun and stuff like that. This is my favorite question I think I've asked in a long time. When was the first time you hit 100? Like, and how did that feel to look at the radar going to be like little double check, like, holy shit. When was the first time? So it, it's was sort of anticlimactic because it was just a foul ball, but <laughs> all of spring training last year, like, I mean, I hit 99 for the first time last or like two summers ago, 2020 summer. And then, you know, came into spring training last year and started to sit like 97, 98 and was hitting 99 consistently. And like, I could not hit a hundred. Like I just couldn't get over the hump, but I was like sitting, like I was averaging 98. I'm not hitting a hundred. And then I go to low A and it was my second outing in low A. It was a third inning. I had two strikes on a guy. There's two outs, nobody on. And I went, okay, I've been like sitting 98 the whole game. I turn around to the shortstop. I'm like, all right, here it is. <laughs> and I just threw it as hard as I could. It was a hundred and he fouled it off, but it was on the board and everybody went, Oh, you know? And so, so that was pretty cool. But, and then it took me a while to do it again. And then now I do it all the time. So it's not as interesting. <laughs> it's, it's, it is incredible because I, gen- I, I don't think 
you even realize how crazy that is to be able to throw hundred. I don't even think uh, not even 0.01% of human beings that have walked this planet could do that. And you do it on a consistent basis. Like, have you got a chance to like sit back, look back on it and be like, dude, younger me would be going bananas right now. He is playing major league baseball. He's flying private. He has stake me, whatever he wants. When he gets into the clubhouse, he has people going out of their way to ask me for an autograph. Have you had that chance to look back and be like, man, this is crazy. Absolutely. I mean, it happens every day. There, 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 it's, it's the little things though. It's like, it's just showing up and your in your laundry's clean and you're, you know, everything's hanging up. When I get to the field today, you know, we traveled yesterday, all my, my bag will be unpacked. Like the, the little wow. tiny things. It's just like, man, you know, like these things. And, and then like the moments where like, I wasn't comfortable in the clubhouse. Like I felt like I couldn't speak or like, I didn't, I was always looking around like, are we, are we going to the bathroom now? Like, what are we doing right now? Am I allowed to go to the bathroom? <laughs> like that kind of stuff. And then, like, now I can just, I can just go to the bathroom. I don't have to worry about it. Like I, I can do what I want, you know? And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about where you came from. And, and I think that's why um, you got to keep, keep a, keep your mind on where you, where you came from and, and, you know, value it. I think it's easy to, to get lost in your ambition and it kind of consume your mind and you sort of lose, lose those reference points, which it's good to be ambitious. I'm extremely ambitious. I want to continue to get better and I'm not satisfied, but at the same time, you need to have those moments where you sort of pat yourself on the back and go, yeah, you know what? you sort of, you sort of did exactly what you wanted to do because that's not, not many people get to say that. Yeah, that's good. I, that's a great way to look at it. And and you mentioned like the, just the laundry being clean for you when you're ready and shit like that. So a couple guys that I get, I get on here that like, I've just made the show and stuff like that. I always ask them like, what's one thing that is so show like that's way different than the minor leagues. Some say the hotels, some say like the flying charter, just the clubbies being able to do whatever they want. Like whatever you ask them, they'll do it. What's the show thing for you besides the laundry? You already use that. We can't use that as an excuse. What, what's one thing that's so show. Yeah. The, the first one, when I, when I debuted last year and I came into the clubhouse, I went into the bathroom, went to wash my hands, go to grab the paper towels. They have the Dyson hair or the Dyson air, like hand dryers, the nice ones, like from the movie theaters <laughs> in the clubhouse bathroom in Atlanta. I mean, like, and I, like, I wash my hands constantly now so that I can use those. Like, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, that, that to me was like, all right, I'm going to, this is a different level. This is it. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. That might be the greatest answer we ever got. Like we usually get like 
uh, just flying in an airplane, just having unlimited beers, just waiting for you. Like if you guys want to have like a post series celebration or something like that, yours is the, yours is the fucking, is the, is the hand dryer in the bathroom. That's so electric. It's the hand dryer in the bathroom. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. I've told, I've told that to a million people too. So like, this is, <laughs> this is consistently my thing. That's great. I mean, I, I can, I can, you got to respect that at a certain level, but in the show and all that type of stuff, obviously you kind of flew through the minor leagues and stuff. So what's the biggest adjustment that you've had to make like from AAA to the show? Um, yeah, just, just consistency for sure. I mean, I only had one outing in AAA. Um, so, um, you know, I went, I really went from like double A to the big show. leagues out of the bullpen. And then it was like, okay, now I'm going to be a starter, but then I started in the bullpen this year. And so sort of had to like readjust to that and then go back into starting. So really what I've learned is just like, doesn't matter what the circumstances are. It doesn't matter how the preparation is. Like you, you just have to trust that your stuff's going to be there and that, you know, I feels like my whole life you're playing ball and you just want to have the, like everybody knows that the big leaguers can just throw pitches in their bullpens wherever they want. Like they're, they're executing all the time. Like when am I going to execute all the time? And then you start to throw bullpens like every week. And it's like, oh, shoot, I'm kind of like executing every pitch. Like all of a sudden I have this feel. And it's funny because I don't think about it anymore. Like I, I used to, like when I was in college, I get so frustrated and I would go into a bullpen. Like I want to throw every pitch exactly where I want it to go. And I want everything to be perfect. And you're actively trying to make it that way. And it, it doesn't work. But when you sort of take a step back and you realize like, hey, you know, I've, I've executed and succeeded in all these different situations. Like, I, I just have to stay out of my own way and sort of trust that it's going to be there. And it's, it's a very simplified statement to trust your stuff, you know, but it's really complicated in, in, in actuality. And um, it's taken me a while to learn it, but I feel like I'm starting to starting to get that. Yeah. Some may say you're starting to get that. I mean, Jesus Christ, every single game I watch you, like the game lasts an hour and a half. It's like just a million yeah. punch outs. It's crazy. So, and you mentioned that bullpen to the starter rule. And we had Brian Baker on the podcast last week with the Orioles. He had a little bit of a different, I guess, he was like a starter and then moved to the bullpen. We, I was vouching that the bullpen's better than starting. I was vouching that it's just, it's more electric to come out of the bullpen like Matic does. And the stadium just goes fucking bananas. And you're just only have to worry about one, two innings, letting it eat. Which, which one, like, obviously you have way more success as a starter right now. Ex- make me try to per, like, persuade me that starting is better than reliefing is what I'm saying. Like, what's the biggest difference that you notice that you enjoy? Yeah. I think the, the, you're, you're not wrong at all about coming in. Like the, the clutch moments tend to be at the end of the game. There's, there's no yeah. doubt about that. Um, yeah. You come in for an inning and, you know, I've had a couple one inning outings where I came in and just blew it up and it was awesome. But um, your footprint on a game is much more s- smaller than True. you realize, you know? And so that's, that's kind of where, like the ambition comes in, you know, like I want, I, I don't want the bullpen to pitch. Like I joke with Jesse Chavez every day. I'm like, every start day, I'm like, you're not going to have to pitch today. Don't worry. That's what I'm doing. I'm trying to make sure you don't have to pitch today. And that's what I want to do. I want to go nine innings. I want to get all 27 outs and I don't want them to have to sit up, get up off the bench. And that, that is to me, there's so you know, I'm a, I'm a serious baseball fan. Like there's so much going on there to, to go out in the first inning and you have no idea how you're going to get, the next three outs you just know you've got your pitches and you've got to face these guys and you don't know is the ump going to screw me am i going to have no feel for my slider all of a sudden is nothing like am i not going to be able to blow these guys away you know is the mound going to fall apart 
like what's going to happen? Are they just going to blue balls all on me all day? And like, I'm, I'm just fighting from behind. And then you get to the sixth, the seventh inning, and you haven't given up any runs. Like the game's still tied. And now you have depleted your entire energy. You're in, you, everybody in the stadium knows you have your last three pitches to this guy. And like that to me is like, that's it. Cause that's the, that's the clutch moment of the game right there. This guy has fought the entire game to be here in this pivotal moment. They've got somebody ready if he can't do it. And then you do it. Everybody goes crazy. And now it's like, all right, nice job. Let's hand it off to these guys. Like that, that, that to me is just, that's how a game should go. Starter goes seven, eight innings, finishes with like his 105th pitch and it's electric. And then they bring in Matzik and then he, you know, blows guys away. My dog, you just love to hear that. It's just so impressive. Like I would die for that on the Toronto Blue Jays, the bullpen as good as that, as good as you guys have, as well as the starting rotation. So it's it, it's it's sick. I mean, Max Freed is a freak of nature. Kyle Wright is disgust disgusting, and obviously they have you going on there, which you're buzzing too. So and and going into the starting role and stuff like that, I gotta know, like, what's your walkout song here? What are they blasting on the fucking stereo speakers here? We had last week my favorite one, Levels. By Avicii was Brian Baker's. It had the apparently just the the Camden Yards is just buzzing around when they hear that. What's yours? Mine is Bring It On Home by Led Zeppelin. Okay, a little rock to get the people. Does it do they do any light show or anything like that? Because I know no, they- so so you don't really hear it anymore. You heard it when I came out of the bullpen, um, you know, because there just wasn't as much going on. But when I'm starting, like I haven't changed it. And so they, they just kind of play over it. They play like the and pitching Spencer Strider. And then they, they go through the lineup and it's like, you can kind of hear bring it on home in the background, but that's always been a song. Like when I, I never, I never reuse walkout songs. And um, like, there's some that I've had on reserve for different settings. Like bring it on home was like always going to be my, if I made it to the big leagues, my big league walkout song. And so I'll probably always, always have it. How awesome has that addition of Robinson Cano been? Obviously, it's still a little bit short, but dude, he's a major league legend. Like, if people can hate him, people can love him. When I think about, I mean, purest swings from the left side, in my mind, it's Robinson Cano, one of them. I mean, his swing is so pretty. No doubt. Has, it, has his presence in the locker room kind of already been known, just how vet, like he's a vet and how much he knows? Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's just, he's just, he's Robinson Cano. I mean, like every movement he makes, like I said to Kyle the other day, it's like just the way he like pulls his shirt <laughs> off of his, off of his like shoulder when he gets into the box, like every little movement is so big league. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like, I mean, his hands, like every, everything, like he's the smoothest fielder. Um, yeah, I mean, and he's just the, the confidence and just, it's like the fact that like all of us are like, man, we're playing with Robinson Cano right now. That's kind of weird. Like Ian Anderson and I, I mean, he's only like not even a year older than me. And so we're both still kind of like, you know, our, our um, childhood concept of Major League Baseball is very similar. And so the fact that we're playing with Robinson Cano, he's walking around in the dugout. is like, what the heck's going on right now? This is awesome. Yeah, it is. And, and you guys got some dogs there, man. One guy that I, I really love watching, obviously, besides Acuna, because he's just disgusting, is uh, he's so good, is uh, Austin Riley. What is Austin Riley like? Obviously, really good defensively. A guy that when a ball gets hit the third base, it's like, all right, I don't even need to look. Like, I'm just going to start walking to the dugout. What's it like playing with that dude? Awesome. Yeah, he's he's so – I mean, if he's not an all-star, like, if they don't figure that out over the next couple of days to make him an all-star, I'm going to walk. Like it's, it's, which won't, which won't do anything, but um, like it's just ridiculous that he is not an all-star. Yeah. He he's, he's unbelievable. And it's so, it's so natural. Like he doesn't even have to think about it. He's not, he's not 
he's so calm. He's so even. And, um, yeah, I mean, when he's, when he's struggling, like he doesn't get low, doesn't, he doesn't take it out into the field. And when he's, when he's, you know, going off, he's the best player in the world right now. It, it doesn't even seem like he cares. Like he's, he's that even it's that, it's that easy. He's that confident in himself. And he's just a great guy. Great to have in the clubhouse. And, and he's a dad now. So, you know, I don't want to say dad power, but. Some are saying, some there's are saying some, there's it. something to be said for that. You know, once I you create life, you're probably not too effaced by major league pitching. I couldn't even imagine like once you have a child down the future, obviously you're only 23, you might throw one Oh five. Like I, I'm that's just something I'm just trying to wrap my head around. I'm like, Oh my God. Like if Spencer Strider has a child, if two God, like God forbid you have two, you're going to throw like one Oh eight. Like, is that something that's like the dad strength? You could see it in the locker room. You could definitely see it in the locker room for sure. There's something to be said for it. Um, you talk about like the sixth tool, the sixth tool is if your, your relative was in the big leagues. And then like the seventh <laughs> tool might be like, you I'm know, deep, if you went to the deep, like an, a power five school, and then the eighth tool is like, how many kids do you have? Like, so yeah, you know, maybe, maybe at some point I'll acquire the eighth tool and um, it certainly is working for Austin. Yeah. Austin is, he's special. He really is. And uh, Soroka told stories about Austin Riley and Acuna on the same team in the minors. I couldn't even imagine how many careers they ruined. Like just a guy <laughs> pitching gives up like nine and it's like Austin Riley went four for five. <laughs> Acuna went five for six with like two bombs. And this guy's he's, he's a mechanic now because of those two. It's crazy, dude. I, I, I love those minor league type of stories, but Who's one guy in your minor league career that you played with or played against that you're like, this dude's going to be special? Ooh. Um, it happens so fast. So, I mean, there are a bunch of guys I played with that I know are going to be, are going to be studs in the big leagues. Um, Vaughn Grissom, I think he just got promoted to double a with us. I mean, he's, he's, he's legit. Um, you know, infielder, he played short, played third, um, terrific fielder uh he's got he's got sneaky pop just doesn't strike out really good uh bat to barrel skills or ball to barrel skills and um just awesome dude super high personality like just fun to be around like he's he's gonna be awesome in a clubhouse and um still young so i'm 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 not expecting them to to rush him but he's he's got some big league talent for sure that's a good name i'll keep an eye on i'll definitely like i said i'm gonna keep an eye on because i i love how horny like uh minor league baseball writers get just talking about <laughs> prospects like I, I did like a tiktok the other week or a couple months ago of this he this this minor league writer was talking about this like 17 year old saying like how perfect his thighs are and like his it's it was the creepiest thing he just unbelievably horny got tip tip your cap to that type of stuff it's crazy on the charts <laughs> It, it's pretty bizarre. It's really, it's really strange. <laughs> it's like it's a grown a, man. Imagine texting it on his, on his iPod, on his uh, computer. Unbelievable thighs, incredible build, like uh, to a 16 year old. Imagine, <laughs> a, imagine an AP English teacher in high school, like going down to middle school and like watching like sixth grader <laughs> and saying like, man, the way she holds the pencil is just terrific. Like she's definitely got some phenomenal calligraphy skills. Like we're, we're going to grade her. We're going to grade her sentence structure at a 60 on a 2080 scale. Like really expecting big things oh, from dude. her. That's, like, that's so what true. they're, that's what they're doing. Like, that's what it is. It's absurd. Like these guys, the way they talk about, and they, they'll also bash some kids and just like, like they don't, what they also don't realize is their word is as good as gold. Majority of these scouts, if they bash a kid, or if they say, or they're low on a kid, 
that could cost this kid millions of dollars and a potential like chance at playing base like baseball at a high level. It's crazy. Like they have word like their word is gold. These writers, some of them. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what's so frustrating about like the random people who do it. Um, you know, and then most most cases, everybody is a random person. You know, that that does the stuff. Exactly. Like the people that work for these wow. big baseball publications, like they're they're not they're not informed on anything like it it blows my mind to watch mlb network too and or espn and some of these things supposed to be like the like the the vocal like the the spokesperson for the sport and they don't understand anything about like pitching analytics or metrics or nothing anything and you can um, say the name it's mad dog russo that's the guy that i have a beef (laughs) with he is an absolute clown show i got it, it's 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 crazy it's but funny it's uh, if, if there's anything america's proven it's that the louder you are the more intelligent people think you are um <laughs> true and uh yeah so, so that's that's really frustrating and the thing that i've i've come to realize that that makes it like like legitimately annoying is that your livelihood is attached to this hype and i was never a top 100 prospect i was never on anything. I was never a draft prospect. I was never a top minor league pro. I was in our system, but I was never a top 100 prospect. Like that costs you money. Like, what a do you mean? How, you know, like, I'm not sitting, I don't care. I'm not even a prospect anymore. I can't be, but I've, I've exceeded my, my, my time period to be a prospect. But um, yeah, you know, that, that kind of stuff like goes to your endorsement deals. It goes to your, your, the, the way fans vote for you to be in the all-star game and that kind of stuff. And, and that all leads to your, your, your value as a player which goes back to your salary and the team. And so it's, it's crazy how much power perfect game and baseball America and D one baseball have on your value as a, as a player. It's, it's, it's just wild. Yeah. It's a good point. And someone messaged me. I'm not going to obviously say his name and out him, but he, he was like, man, I'm hitting like 300 this year. I'm a career over 300 hitter. When I'm healthy, I was, I was nasty. And like, when I went D one, I had over like 340 why aren't I in the top 30 prospects? And I'm like, dude, I, I, I was like, honestly, man, it's better off. You don't even look at that. It's the most political shit oh, of yeah. all time. The, the younger you are, the more they love you. The, if you have a last name that's attached, like you said, like a, the sixth tool to like a big leaguer, automatic top 30 prospect, no matter what. So it's, it's, it's all politics. And obviously people get down on that stuff, man. They really do. It's, it's sad. It really is. Yeah. I mean, it's that, you know, ranking prospects or evaluating talent is not a science there's no exactitudes to this. I mean, it's a complete like crapshoot. That's why they say you're looking at a crystal ball. I mean, that's, that's exactly what it is. It's, and it doesn't help when the people who are, who are doing it really don't understand the game either. But um, yeah, I mean, it, you, you can't put any stock into it and there, there's no, there's no way to tell they're, they're trying to, to justify their initial take. You know, if, if somebody didn't have me as a draft prospect at a high school, if they change their mind and say that I am one, when I'm coming out of college, well, then it makes them look wrong in hindsight. And so same thing with making somebody a top hundred prospect, they're adding this guy into the top 30. Like they have to say, Oh, we missed him. And that's an admission of failure, which means that they're not skilled at their job, but how could they be? Because what they're doing is not, it's not scientific. It's just complete. Like it's a guessing game. Yeah. That's a good, and you being a starting pitcher now, does part of you miss the days when pitchers used to hit? Like, do you think you could swing it a little bit? Because I'm seeing pictures of you here with a bat in your hand on your Insta. So (laughs) Shohei Otani would be, nobody would know who that was if I could hit. I mean, that's just a fact. Like, that's a complete lie, obviously. But um, that guy is the best player in the world. Um, Yeah, no, I I would love to hit. I I, I was fortunate enough to get, like, my, my ultimate success of my life 
so far has been that I got two at bats in the big leagues last year. I made it to the big leagues in time to get Hell two yeah. at bats. And so uh, I struck out, unfortunately, in my first one, and then I got a bunt down. At the first pitch I saw in the big leagues, which was the first pitch I saw since my junior year of high school, was a fastball from Trevor Williams right down the middle at 92. And I knew I was getting a fastball. I knew it was going to be right down the middle. And I cranked it into the third deck down the left field line. Wow. That feeling kept me awake for weeks. <laughs> I could not sleep. I mean, I like it would, it would, it tore me apart. It still gets me like fired up. Like, man, I had it. I felt it. I could have done it. I almost went yard like that. I mean, I didn't almost go yard, but you know, I mean, like just that, it was that close. Like that's crazy. Dude, that's, I had, minimal amount of those in my college career and when you hit it off the barrel there is just no feeling better on planet earth especially if you know you missed it you see all these guys that are just at the plate especially in the majors where they know they missed their pitch and it's the most devastating thing in the batter's boss because they're like i might not never i might not get this pitch again the rest of the at bat or the rest of the game for right. instance they might yeah they seriously might get that at bat and talking about the game and stuff i got to know this because obviously i'm assuming i don't know if you're that analytical and stuff like that but how much preparation do you go into a start like are you studying every guy in the lineup or are you just kind of relying on like what the catcher has and stuff like that there's a couple of things i want to know i don't i don't max there's like max freed's preparation for a game is is like i couldn't do that i mean he he one he's able to because he has such feel for his pitches and he has such you know big arsenal that he can literally determine what he wants to throw to every hitter in every count for the entire game before it happens um, and then there's like Kyle Wright, who's just so good that he, he doesn't care who he's playing because he'll just go shove anyways because his stuff is yeah. unhittable. Um, I'm kind of closer to Kyle where I only have three pitches. You know, I, I'm only going to throw two pitches to righties anyways. And, you know, my, my, there's no secret to my success. Like if I, if I throw strikes, I'll be fine. That's kind of all I'm trying to do. It's more of a battle against yourself. And in my case, I, I really think it's a battle against myself than it is the team, you know, that, that you can throw any lineup out there and it's, I'm still going to have to do the same things to be successful. So the only thing I really look at is like, you know, try to figure out what pitches I might throw to a guy first time through the lineup. Um, and then, you know, maybe, maybe like determine that a certain pitch may not be good to, to a guy or that if we, if we want to throw this pitch to a guy, we got to set him up a certain way. Um, and that, that's, that's really it. Mostly it's just making sure that, you know, I do everything I need to do to, to just set myself up to be repeatable and consistent and go out and just throw strikes. Who's the most challenging guy you face so far? Like one guy where it's like, I don't know what he sees off me, but I just can't get him. Like I, I either can't get him out or it's like a 10 to 11 pitch at bat every single mm -hmm. time I'm up against him. I had a lot of trouble with Brandon Nimmo this past outing. Just really just, yeah. I mean, he, he takes these short swings and he's, and that's kind of how his, that's kind of his, his motive is just you know, foul pitches off, try to stay in the zone. And uh, that's sort of the whole Mets approach, it seems like. And, yeah. you know, they did a good job. They ran they ran Max, Chuck, and I out before the sixth inning, each of us. So, um, you know, they were they were making it hard. And he uh, he laid off some good pitches. He fouled off some some pitches. I don't I don't know how he made contact with. And and um, he's taking these short swings. He's choking up. And so it's kind of refreshing to see in a way like the guy adjusts to a certain pitcher and 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 be pesky because a lot of guys are just going to stay into their little lane and try to try to do damage and you can kind of figure it out really quick and exploit it. But um, yeah, he's, he's pretty tough. 
Has there been one guy that you've got like starstruck going up against? Like maybe like an Albert Pujols type where it's like, I can't believe I'm facing this dude right now. Like this is the guy I grew up watching. Francisco Lindor. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Cleveland. Yeah. So every time he steps in the box, it's just like, Oh my God, there he is. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, everybody else gets in the box. That's kind of just a blob, you know, but he steps yeah. in the box and I just see Francisco Lindor. And um, you were a massive fan of that team, right? When he had Kluber and all those guys, right? Yeah. Kluber, Kluber was probably my favorite pitcher growing up. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that 2016 team, I mean, all those teams, like the 20, my, like my, my Cleveland fandom was like 2007, to like 2019. And so, yeah, I mean, like it'd be as Drupal Cabreras, Francisco Lindor, um, Carlos Carrasco, Corey Kluber, yeah. Mike Clevenger. Um, yeah. And the Jan Gomes. Uh, I've got to play against Jan. Actually, well, that team Jan broke my heart. That team broke my heart. They sure did. They made my yeah. life. So that was great. Yeah, that was pretty sad. I mean, yeah, best of both worlds, I guess. Everything comes in yeah. full circle. Now we're talking right. about it here. And right. that team. So at that point, because the Jays were a pretty hated team, like, did you during, obviously not now, but during that series, like, did you hate the Toronto Blue Jays? Because I always wonder this as a Jays fan, because they were kind of like a, you had JD that was getting in people's ears. You had bat flips with Jose Bautista. Everyone just kind of chirpy, chirpy. Was that like a team that you like considered you hated back then? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, I hated I hated the Yankees more than anything, and the, and the Red yeah. Sox just because they were unbeatable, um, you know. But but the Blue Jays during that series, like the only thing that got to me was when Bauer cut his finger, and he couldn't go, and so they had or they had to they had to pull him in the first, and then you know ruin the bullpen, and then we had to call up Ryan Merritt. I say we. I play for the Atlanta Braves. The the, the, the <laughs> Cleveland had to call up Ryan Merritt from instructs to pitch game five of the ALCS in Toronto. And um, Jose Bautista said, we're going to have him shaking in his boots, you know, and they were talking all kinds of stuff about this guy. He throws like the 88, he's like a five ten lefty. And he struck him out on three pitches and he went like That's five scoreless. And it was just, that was, that was awesome. So I was like, I was more rooting against Toronto at that point for him than I yeah. was just because like I didn't like Toronto yeah so a couple more things so I, I definitely got to talk about obviously like the stuff you've been having lately and obviously like you're starting to catch a lot of traction you're starting to become one of the most recognizable pitchers in my opinion in the National League uh, it's it's a game that a lot of people circle you're getting a lot of national TV recognition what's that been like for you man like the success that you've had this year seeing like the hard work that you've really had kind of pay off especially obviously even just the mental game like the mental game helps a lot too like just obvious adjusting to becoming a starter that's what i'm talking about with the mental game what's that been like for you just seeing the success you have right now um i mean it's 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 good it's just nice to see um stuff transition to the bullpen i felt like at the beginning of the year my first few outings i was still kind of crossing my fingers and just hoping things worked out and, um, you know, wasn't super self-aware of what was going on. And then yeah. I sort of figured that out and got more focused and, and, uh, then started out, you know, went to starting and, and just felt more comfortable because it was familiar. I felt like I had more control on what was going on and, uh, started to see like, you know, yeah, the outings back each other up and, and find some consistency. And so, um, yeah, I think the hardest part is just accepting that some days you, you're not going to be good and other days you're going to feel really good, but the ball's not going to come out that way. And other days you're not going to feel too great, but the ball's going to come out really well. And so how do you sort of 
kind of take all these things they are all over the place and kind yeah. of get them together and use them all. And I'm fascinated with this as well. I don't know if I've said that a lot of podcasts, but I'm just fascinated with a lot of shit. I'm, a, I'm, I'm dumb. I'm a Juco brain. I'm not I'm fast. I get fascinated with a lot of stuff. What has been in your opinion, the Mona Lisa start you've had this year, like the start where you came out of that bullpen or that, or that bullpen you threw, it's like my shit's good today. Or like, this is the best my arm has felt. Um, what, the, the start I made in Washington was, was like, I could have stopped warming up after three <laughs> pitches. Um, I mean, like everything was just, even when I didn't execute a pitch, like I got a swing and a miss and it was just, it was like, everything came out great. Um, same thing with the one in Cincinnati. I just kind of knew really early in catch play. Like I've got it today. And I think both of those games, I didn't give up a hit, a hit until like the fifth inning or something. So um yeah i mean but, but those are those are the only a few you know most of the days like the start i had against st louis you know last week was was probably some of my best like I, when i go back and watch the games like some of my best sequences and and yeah. um like in-game adjustments were in that game and arguably had my best results but i didn't feel like i was going to and at no point during that game did i feel like i was just physically better than than them it just things executed well and that's kind of like trusting your stuff like it you don't have to feel perfect like you can be effective like if you're this good to be in the majors like you you're capable of getting guys out even when it doesn't feel perfect yeah and this is why i know like i'm just going to be a spencer strider guy forever now like i'm buying the stock is you're wearing an arm sleeve right now is that is that an arm sleeve <laughs> am, that's yeah. like you want to talk about alphaing me? It's like now i like where's my arm sleeve like i i, I kind of want to wear one now like i want to kind of join the cult like, so what is that something you just always wear when you're not like kind of on off days? Like it's obviously a compression sleeve, it's not an arm right. sleeve, but is that something you always wear? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I used to wear when I had TJ, I, I wear them all the time and uh, just to, you know, increase blood flow, whatever, reduce stiffness. And then I kind of stopped and it just became like, you know, my elbow would be stiff and, and I don't know. It just didn't, it didn't occur to me like, Hey, I did this during TJ rehab and it seems to help that. So I should be doing it all the time. And then Max, Max wears one all the time as well. And, um, I always wear one when I get to the field, then it just was like, Hey, why should, why am I not wearing one while I'm sleeping? You know, like just wear it all the time. So yeah, I pretty much always have an arm sleeve on now 24 seven. Okay. I might have to start doing that. Actually. So I went to, a, I have another podcast, Jay's podcast, and I went to a Jay's game, uh, in a full Jersey and I wore an arm sleeve the whole time. And I was, I'm telling you, I, I, the arm felt dynamite. I was ready to go, even though I, I've never hit above 80 in my life. And then this is the second last thing I want to talk about is, so this is kind of a dumb brain question by me. How cool is it to just be able to like, to just strike out a big league hitter? Like just the feeling after, I know you're not thinking about it in the moment, but how kind of like, it obviously, like it just makes you feel like an alpha, like a dog. How cool is it to strike out a big league hitter? It's, it's a pretty good feeling, especially when like, there's two different types of strikeouts to me. There, there's the one where it's like first pitch, second pitch, third pitch. Like I did exactly what I was trying to do. And I just completely out, outmatched you. I overexecuted. Like you, you were screwed. Then there's the man. I'm kind of scuffling. Like I don't want to walk you. Like don't hit this in the gap. And then all of a sudden, like oh, I struck you out. Like I wasn't even trying. I struck you out. So so that's and that just goes to show, you know how how up and down this game is, and how you can you don't have to feel like I say you don't have to feel perfect all the time. But yeah, I mean the the ones where like I just go three fastballs and blow a guy away. Like those are those are pretty fun 
those feel pretty good. When I'm walking around the mound afterwards, I'm just like, those are my like five seconds of just Zen. Just the greatest thing ever. I, it just, I couldn't imagine. I, I hope one day I can get to experience maybe in the next life, I get to experience what it's like to strike out a big league guy. It just, it has to be just the most electric thing of all time, or even a barrel up a ball in the big leagues. Like I couldn't imagine how cool that feels like barreling up a guy of a big league pitcher. And actually, so two more things. Second, last thing that I want to talk about is obviously right now you've had tons of success. Like I'm talking, like I was mentioning and all that type of stuff. What actually, this has nothing to do with that. What's the best, like, what's your favorite city to visit? Like what's that's what's that one city so far that you've visited where it's like, man, the hotels here are sick. The food here is awesome. The people here are awesome and all that type of stuff. Uh, I had a really good time in Chicago. I mean, I've been to Chicago. I, I mean, I, so I knew I liked it and, um, I got to do a lot of cool stuff. I went, I, so we had an off day in Chicago. Um, and I, I went to Wrigley. I went to the game. I bought a ticket right behind home plate, sat like directly behind home plate and watched. They played the Padres. Joe Musgrove was throwing. Who's one of my favorite. That's my pitchers. guy front of the podcast. Yeah. Love Joe Musgrove. And, um, he went like trip. seven, gave up two, struck out 10 and, uh, he was gross. It was awesome. I got to go to a game in Wrigley. And then uh, as a fan, and then uh, sort of walked around town. It's a lot of a lot of great food. Got some good coffee, and and you know, walked around. And then the next day, I went to a Strokes concert after the game, which my favorite band is the Strokes, and they were playing right at at the Met, which is right across from Wrigley, and that was just incredible. So we got to do that. And uh, yeah, so so Chicago so far has probably been my, my favorite city. So much going on there, but you haven't been to Toronto yet, so you don't know. That's what I, Toronto. everyone says when they come here. It's their favorite place to visit. I will I've say everyone, nothing but good things about Toronto. Nothing but yeah, good things. Everyone says that. Hopefully, you guys are there next year. But uh, so, uh, do you get recognized a lot? Because obviously, like you got the the muzzy, so I'm sure in Atlanta they recognize you pretty easily. I'm starting to a little bit, but the thing is, like it's mostly little kids that notice me who probably saw oh, me. That's not bad. Ninja. Yeah. Like, but everybody else, like, I don't, I don't really look that, that different than anybody. Yeah. I just have them. Like, there's a lot of like, you know, younger 20 year old white dudes with mustaches walking around. Like it's, it's not, it's not that obscure. Sure. So, um, I, I expect more people to go, Hey, you look like Spencer Strider than people to go. You are Spencer Strider. How do you react to that? Then if someone says you look like him, do you say, Oh, I get that. Like sometimes, or like, are you, are you going to say I am Spencer? Like, how do you approach that? Situation? I would, I I've thought about it. I think my, cause it's happened one time. It's happened one time where a guy came up to me and was talking to me about me, but didn't know that's who <laughs> I was. And so I just sort of play, like tried to see how far I could go with it without revealing that that's who I was. So that's kind of my, my, my game is like, like, who is that? And then them try to like walk me through it. And then, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's electric. That's awesome. That is so fucking awesome. That's incredible. And uh, so this is the last thing I want to talk about. So I have a rule that's kind of like part of my take does this as well. I think baseball players should be able to fight one fan a year. Like the center of the ring, like if a fan comes up to you and they are like, if fans just start to get personal in the fucking in the crowd, they start saying personal shit, they start doing research on you. I say you, like I say, you should be allowed to go time, point that guy right there, use the one, the one get, get out of jail free card, and it's toe to toe and set no no repercussions, no charges. I think that's a great rule. You uh. You're onto something there. That seems like something the Savannah Bananas should be doing already. Um, yeah, yeah, man. I don't know that I would. I would do fans or media or 
just just I don't I don't know. Oh, I'm not I'm not a particularly violent person. So like I wear the peace sign around my neck. I've got the peace sign on my gloves. So it's kind of like I, I always worry like what would I do in a brawl if I just kind of like like yeah. karate evade everybody and like not punch like I don't know. But yeah, fight. I, I think what's what's more fun to me is just exploiting a fan's stupidity than anything else. And really anybody's. It's just, That's awesome. just, just letting people know like, hey, you know what? I don't need to devolve to like physical violence here because your whole premise for starting this altercation is based on your stupidity. So here's why you're an idiot. Now, now go away. That's, that's kind of where I would. So I would just like to argue with a fan. Yeah. I'm addicted to ratioing people. I don't know if you know like what that is, but because you're not a big social media guy, but I'm addicted to ratioing guy like that Jay's podcast I do. There's a lot, not, there's a decent amount of hate comments and I love them. For yeah. example, someone yesterday commented, I'll celebrate because I obviously the Jays manager got fired and I was kind of yeah. celebrating it. And I, and he said, I'll celebrate like this when you le- lose your bum ass job. And I, and this guy's name was fat something. And I said, I'll respond like this when you lose some weight. And I just ratioed the shit out of him. It's just some playful fun, right? It's not stuff like that, but classic. What fan, what fan base comes at you the most? Mets, Phillies? Like, what's the worst? Ooh. With you? Um, I don't know. I feel like the, I feel like there's been some Mar. I, I pitched, I had a really bad outing against the Marlins uh, early in the season where I, I sort of blew the game out of the bowl. And I had a bad outing and they, they seem to like have this idea that I'm terrible. And so then I pitched against them again and they I didn't do as bad. And they were kind of like, okay, wait a minute. What, what what's the deal here? But um yeah, I don't know that any fan base really hates me yet. I don't think I've done. I'm not like I'm not a super imposing guy. Like, I mean, I throw hard, but I don't. I mean, like like I said, you see me walking across the street, you probably wouldn't think twice about it. But um, I'm sure it's it'll happen at some point. Somebody's gonna hate me. So like, no fans like when you're warming up in the bullpen have been like a little bit not personal, but a little bit chirpy chirpy at you because I know the Phillies fans like they're pretty much hanging over the railing sometimes. Right. I I didn't pitch in Philadelphia when we were there. I'm sure I will the next time we go or one of the one of the future okay. times so maybe but, you can get stories for us after that because i know those fans are psychopaths so that's yeah. uh that's something there but anyways man like i said uh, uh like like i said earlier in this podcast i've been trying to get you on for a while especially last year man it just like you said you weren't a top 30 prospect came out of nowhere and everyone's talking about this dude that just throws fuzz in, tr- in the minors so i'm excited to see what you do for the rest of this year man Obviously, we're recording this at the All-Star break. It'll drop at the next week on Thursday at the All-Star break. So um, enjoy your All-Star. Do you have any plans? What are you doing? You, are, you, you're not a, are you a golf guy or no? Not a golf guy, no. Um, I, the, the problem with golf is I, I, I play golf, but I'm so bad that I don't enjoy playing. But I don't yes. – since I'm so bad and I don't enjoy playing, I don't like it enough to go get better so that I enjoy it more so that I'll play. So it's sort of the circle of I'm not too okay. good. So um, – Maybe, maybe someday. Yeah. I'm just going to go home and, and kind of uh, take it easy. Relax. Maybe throw, if you, if you need a guy to throw a bullpen to, I'd love to take an at bat. I'd love to just get <laughs> one AB against Penn. That'd be great content. Just to kind of show good. Because, it would be good content because it could show the people in the DMS that are like, you suck all this type of shit. It would show what it's like. Big leaguer common man. Like it'd be like, are, does he really suck? He did this to like a normal, like this is what it looks like against you example. So that'd be a great thing to do. But anyways, dude, best of luck rest of the year. I'm fired up for the people to hear this podcast, man. You're electric. Maybe one of the funnest I've had a really long time. So awesome. uh, thanks for doing this big dog. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I had a blast. 
Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you. Thank you.